Welcome to Actions Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. One thing I've been thinking about quite a bit for at least several years now is what makes all of us human, which is something that I feel like is kind of diminished in our modern society. And when I talk about this, I talk about things like laughter, things like dancing, things like humor, and things like music, the things that don't necessarily have a specific material value in most corporate settings, but provide a lot of value to our lives, a lot of value to our well-being. My guest today, John Brewster, is a older resident and a singer-songwriter who has managed to make a lifestyle out of music, which I'm sure a lot of people would love the possibility of doing if they only knew how. John, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me today, Stephen. I'm really excited. Really excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And you're relatively new to Colorado, right? Yes. I just moved here in August of 2021, and now we're in March 2022 for the future nerds out there that listen to this. So I've been here for a few months and just getting grounded in to the mountain energy and just been loving it so far. And uh, where do you come from most recently? South Carolina. I was in Charleston last, and that's where I got my start in music as far as original music goes. You do exclusively original music? I do my own original music. It's my priority, but to right now sustain my living, I play cover songs as well, like private events, weddings, knickknack things here and there, bar gigs, whatever has gotten me to this point. I've been open to those opportunities, which has helped to sustain and keep furthering my original music as well. That's really neat. And you said you got your start in South Carolina and then you moved here to Colorado. And when I recall correctly, you live kind of on the outskirts of Boulder. What did you have to do to transfer that start that whatever you had going for you, word of mouth in South Carolina and bring it to a new place? Yeah, well, I started planting seeds pretty early. I played music all growing up in South Carolina and that, and I had a pretty good network of connections and was doing it full time to give a little miniature backstory. I was in a band for several years in South Carolina and we played all the cover gigs and had a lot of good momentum singing harmonies and stuff. And we ended up touring all over the place in the East coast, doing our own music. And after that chapter came to a close, I decided to do my own music about A year ago, I visited Colorado for the first time. I felt that before I released my first album, I was feeling like this calling to go somewhere new, to get some fresh perspective. And it was almost literally a coin toss between going to Austin or Denver. And I was looking at Airbnbs and I was just going to drive, just leave South Carolina, just go for an experience with myself and kind of see if I want to move somewhere new. And ended up being Denver. I found a spot to hang out for a couple of weeks. And I just immediately knew I had to come back to Colorado. And then fast forward a few months later, my partner, Sarah, and I officially moved out here. And that's when we started planting seeds of asking around, like, who do you know who is in the scene doing this? And started looking up open mic nights, which that's been a huge resource, just meeting people in real time. And also like lead generating websites that I feel like even my friends to this day that are other musicians might not be totally taking advantage of where that's 80% of my income, where there's multiple websites you can sign up and have a profile for as a musician and generate leads just like any other business would. And there's all kinds of things that come through for that. So even before I got out here, I was planting those seeds with setting up my Colorado profile. So 
people could reach out to me for stuff. So that's another wonderful thing that the internet has provided for us because rather than having to physically be here, you can already start generating leads for a place based on this lead generation website. And I think a lot of people aren't even aware that those exist. I think a lot of people are aware of a lot of lead generation business networking groups. And what I'm wondering is, do these... I want to say more standard lead generation groups work for musicians because a lot of them tend to be a little bit more about business or do you need the music specific ones? The ones that I've worked with, there's been a few, like three or four main ones and they're geared towards like entertainment things. So they could be one of them specifically for weddings. There's one called wedding wire. There's another one called gig salad, which has a whole host of things. You could get just crazy stuff like impersonators and comedians and skits like all kinds of stuff. And then also like a singer songwriter, there's like categories for different types of things that could complement like an event or a, some kind of gathering. So yeah, usually it's a type of like a fee you would pay or like a small percentage would go back to the website for connecting the two parties. But other than that, I mean, just the word of mouth of getting that opportunity to have a gig versus not have a gig and keep the ball rolling, meeting more people. That's, that's huge. At the risk of sounding like a businessy office interview type of thing, I want to say, take me through your average day. Like, I guess average day is probably a poor determinant here. On an average month, like how many gigs do you perform and how much time do you spend writing your own original music? Great question. I'd say on average, I play between 10 to 17 gigs a month at most. It's been a little slower since getting out here to Colorado. So I'm right now really grateful to get 10 gigs a month. That's aside from free stuff, paid stuff, playing open mic nights and networking. That's not necessarily paid, but yeah, my day-to-day is starts off with my morning routine, which is something I'm very, very, very big about. And in recent months, it's been a little bit slower. Like I've actually found to be completely honest, my motivation around my dream has been kind of like in resting mode. I love your podcast. I'm so excited to come on here with the idea of like action, action being antidote. And that's a big one for me. I love the phrase action unlocks. And I just released my debut album about three months ago. And so this is my first time post a big creative project that I took on myself where last year, my day-to-day was crazy on fire motivation working on this album because I produced it and mixed it and wrote and did the whole thing on my own right here on this laptop. And I went on fire for months and months. And now after that, it's out there into the world, I'm shifting gears to networking and playing the shows and getting my foot in the door in Colorado. So my day-to-day feels a little bit more slower, like from a 12-month perspective but I see a momentum starting to pick up now that I've been in Colorado for a few months now, where like I'm already booking stuff in September months from now, which is like, awesome. Like that's fantastic. And I think that will just continue to build, but how much I write original music, honestly, like I'm always thinking about my music. It's crazy how like obsessive I am. And yesterday I feel as though I needed a break. I'm not sure if you relate to this or for anyone out there that might listen I just go, 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 go. Cause I love what I'm doing. I built my own website and do all the networking. I do wear all the hats for what I'm doing. And I love that. And I love that. And I like forget to take breaks where literally like 
a half day or a full day where I'm just not working on my dream, just check out completely. And yesterday was one of those days for me where I kind of sensed it about four or five days ago that I was just going, I was writing, starting to work on my next album, maybe not sure preparing for some other things. I'm doing a tour in South Carolina next month. And I just felt like it was hard to show up. And usually I can push through that. But when it happens like day after day, that's when I know I just need to take a break. And it's not because like I'm on the wrong path. It's like, bro, you just need to take some time away from this to let it kind of marinate. And uh, yesterday was a day for that for me. Like I woke up and had a great workout. And around this time yesterday at 9.30 AM, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay off my phone for the most part today. Not going to touch the guitar. Well, I did, but I'm going to watch movies, ice cream in bed. I just did like nothing yesterday. And now I feel like woke up this morning, wanting to clean the house and do all crazy stuff. So yeah. Well, that's interesting because I think it's a natural part of the cycle in anyone taking on endeavors that they're really passionate about that you're going to have some really busy, high motivation time. And then you're going to have a time where you need a little bit of rest. One of the things I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us through this for my audience is what do you see as the difference between someone experiencing burnout, in which case they need to pretty much stop doing what they're doing or find a way to transition to something else versus if someone's just experiencing what you experienced yesterday, where it's like, okay, this is still my passion. I love it, but I overdid it for a little while and I need a day, a couple days, even sometimes a week or a couple weeks or a month to rest, but it's not burnout. It's just like, I just need a rest. Right. It's kind of hard to tell because literally when I feel like I approach that feeling every month or two, I've erred on the side of overworking or like over being passionate about my dream. When you're really trying to force it, it's like, you're just not in the right headspace because you're exerting so much energy when you're trying. And it might be hard to tell. Like, I don't know if I have a good answer of how to decipher the two, but just try stepping away, I think is a good experiment. Going for a long walk, being off your phone for half a day or a day or a week, like you said, like those are things I've played with over the last few years, being on my own journey of sharing my own music. And it's crazy. It feels like, oh my gosh, the business is going to come to a halt and nothing's going to happen. But the universe works in such mysterious ways. Uh, I feel like when you actually surrender to that, things happen. Like that just happens over and over again. Like it just floods back in when you just let yourself be. So I don't know if I have a good answer to it, like to tell the difference between burnout or not. I mean, like part of it sounds like what happens when you're done resting? Do you come back? And I think I've had some corporate experiences and some other people may have had that where you go on vacation and you feel so refreshed, but by your second day back in the office, you're no longer refreshed. You're right back into that same state of mind that you were before because you're in the wrong job, you're in the wrong role, you're in the wrong organization, whatever you want to call it. Whereas if it always comes back, it seems like then you know, okay, because it is common for passionate people to go too hard for too long. I mean, when you care about something, I've had this covered on other episodes, it's not a nine to five anymore. It's not something you really put down. Like it, it keeps popping in your mind because it's your passion. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like in relationships in my past or like the contrast of going on vacation and doing something completely out of your ordinary Maybe like what you're saying, like when you come back, if it just highlights even more how much you don't enjoy the path you're on, 
versus like you come back and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm reinvigorated. I want to dive deeper into this. And in recent years, I've been really, really blessed to feel that when I do take, allow myself to take breaks, like waking up today thinking we're doing a podcast today. You know, I, I want to clean and I'm not much of a person to like tidy up things. I keep things average tidy, but I like to be creative for a couple of days and then tidy everything up. And it's just funny, like waking up this morning after doing nothing yesterday as best as I could just wanted to clean was like my first instinct, like improve, get dive into the day. And that's a good thing. And what does a day of rest look like for you? Because I think a lot of people have different ideas of what it means to rest, to quote one of my earlier podcasts, to rest effectively. For me, I would say step one, not being on your phone. Step two, nature. That's it. (laughs) I'd recently, about half a year ago, come upon a blog post that mentioned the seven types of rest, that there were these different types of rest, that there's like physical rest, there's sensory rest, there's social rest, there's mental rest, all these types of things. Because one of the things that I've experienced doing both backpacking and long distance cycling trips is that that, those are definitely not physical rest. But on all those trips, the phrase most commonly used is that your phone pretty much just becomes a camera. You're only using it to take pictures every once in a while, and you're mostly not using it. And I noticed that because on an average day, my screen time may be around two hours on my phone, which is still way too much. But on days like that, it's just 40 minutes of mostly looking at just the camera app and the maps app. And that's about it. Does that factor into what you're saying and getting in nature that you may be going for a hike that day, which is something that there's plenty of opportunity to do in Colorado and getting that century, that mental, that emotional rest in nature? Yeah, I think it's a miniature sad tragedy that for whatever reason, like the world that I have uh, been culturally brought up in, that it feels like wrong to rest. Like, I think there's societal influence there to always be pushing to the metal and grinding. And it's funny how even justifying taking an hour long walk this afternoon is like, oh man, what if I get behind? It's like, what are you talking about? You don't have an hour. That's, (laughs) that's crazy. And you know, sometimes you might not, maybe you have a very booked up day and you have things that you do need to tend to, but I think just making it a point to know that there's an extreme value and necessity in that time away from your passion, even if you love it. I just released my debut album and I'm starting to work on my second album. Like I have a bunch of songs that I'm really pumped about. And I've been showing up the last like week or two working on the songs. And I just like don't have that extra gear, that natural high energy gear of like, I need to get into the studio and get this recorded like today. It's been like very much trying, 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 trying. And then it led up to yesterday being like, you know what? I have to back away completely from everything for a little bit and just let that recharge. You talk about how we've all been cultured in our society to view rest as a four letter word in some cases. And what happens when you have a big motivation toward an event. And I know this personally from doing Ride the Rockies training for it last summer and then having the event be done, the album came out, the ride is over and you just suddenly like, well, what next? And then of course you'll come up with something. What do you think is the best way that someone can adopt the right mindset 
around rest, around these natural cycles that we see in motivation and in drive to avoid the trap of, I guess what I would call it is trying to just go harder and harder until you find that thing when what you really need is a step back, get in nature, meditate, go for a swim, whatever it is, and almost let the idea come to you based on being truly present and observing what's around you. Right. Action being the antidote. There's such power in taking action. And I feel like for a lot of people, that is the antidote and is the answer to take massive action and test stuff and see what other opportunities blossom out of that action through learning. But it's funny that we're also like, there is a flip side to that, like a shadow side of resting and allowing for that. So many people in this world work tremendously hard and still are struggling to get by. And it has nothing to do with their effort or their worth as a person. What if there was a two-hour window you could carve for yourself to sit outside with a picnic blanket, even in your crazy, hectic schedule right now where you feel like you don't have time, that you can't keep up with your job? What if that two-hour window, you have that just little insight of epiphany? Like, you know what? What if I called Stephanie today. And then that leads to a different conversation because you're out of that routine. And I think those moments of reflection are super crucial. I've definitely erred on the side of overworking, grind, grind, grind. And as I'm saying, like there are so many people in the world that working hard is not the missing piece. It might be like working less and figuring out what really matters to me in my career. And like, how can I leverage those few things more effectively? You quickly brought up, I'm going to call my friend Stephanie, or I'm going to call one of my friends. What role does doing things such as having a conversation with a friend or any of the other human things, listening to music, dancing, laughing with people, play compared to the role of giving your brain some space in practices such as meditation or a solo hike in nature play? Yeah, they're definitely very different and serve different roles. I think people find it easier overall to want to reach out to someone or at like the flip side of that, of like just maybe watching Netflix for hours and hours and hours where your brain actually isn't turning off because it can be uncomfortable for people to really just be in their presence, to be in the silence, to go outside without your phone for hours or days for a hike or something and, and just really soak in the silence. And you'll be surprised what comes up to the surface. Like that's where so many of the answers are for me. Like I went on a walk yesterday and was just like, here are the three things that I need to do here. Are the next things. And when I'm in the day-to-day grind, like if I get off this podcast and just all of a sudden go back to email or set up a phone call, I might be mistaking busyness for effectiveness. Interesting. And it's interesting that you mentioned these walks in nature because one of the events that inspired me to actually start this podcast, it's an idea that I'd had a little while back, but was an August 2020 three-day backpacking trip where there was no cell reception. And the people I was with, we had kind of run out of things to talk about, which is definitely not a knock on the company I had because August 2020, right in the middle of when everyone was staying home most of the time because of the pandemic, and you're out there for three whole days, it would actually be kind of annoying if you were talking for the whole three-day time period and just finding whatever it is just to keep noise happening. 
And that level of silence in the wilderness was part of what made me say, okay, I'm actually going to do this thing. Wow. So you've been marinating on it for so long. And I feel like so many people, myself included, have those insights for years sometimes and don't take action on it. And for whatever reason, there's a whole bunch of reasons I'm sure we could speculate, but it's so funny how like people know, you know, within yourself, there's like a couple things that you could just do. Cause you know, that's what you should do. This is kind of a random side note, but I watched this show called life after death with someone named Tyler Henry, who's a medium. He had a show uh, like a big primetime kind of show called the Hollywood medium, where he would essentially help connect celebrities and people with their loved ones who had passed away. I haven't really been much into the channeling medium world, but as technology and human fascinations continue to progress, I'm becoming more and more just a believer in how much mystical elements there are to this universe that make no sense that are just mind blowingly amazing. Not everything we think matters matters. And when it comes to people passing away in our family, like when I hear these cases and these readings, people talking, trying to communicate with their loved ones, they just want to know one little thing. Like, do you support the life I'm doing? Do you still love me? Do you forgive me? It's like basic things that that means the world to people. And we're, I'm busy, like wondering though, did I get paid from that gig last week? Cause it's like, what? That has nothing to do with, you know, it's all good. It's all good. And that's another conditioning thing that I've observed. We focus so much energy on things that are just very much around the edges. And when it comes to like the deep, meaningful things, such as who am I? What do I want to be doing with most of my time? Because I'm of the opinion that what really matters with life in the end is, is what you spend most of your time doing. And you obviously spend most of your time networking, performing gigs, and writing music. What made you decide, if we, we can get into your story that you had alluded to earlier, what made you decide that music was your path in life? Oh, that's a great question. I kind of stumbled upon it Thankfully, like it wasn't something I grew up with. I grew up as a sports guy. My dad's a teacher. My mom was a stay at home mom and my grandparents were around. And in the summertime I would play travel baseball. And I was on the path of being a college baseball player. That was kind of my aim. My grandma handed me a guitar one summer. It would have been my like sophomore year. I was staying at our house because my family went on a road trip and I stayed behind to play summer baseball leagues and stuff. And she handed me a guitar one night. I was like, this is your grandfather's. It was a classical guitar. And he's like, you should learn how to play it. And at the time I had never played guitar. I've never sung before or anything. And I started writing songs, like a few songs right away. And I'd show it to my grandma and she'd say, wow, this is amazing. And a part of me that's very self-deprecating was like, no, it's not, but thank you, grandma. I appreciate the love. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because when I started getting more into music, it became interesting to me. And I found it as an outlet to process my emotions. And I didn't feel as though I, I felt very safe with my, whether it had been my friend group or my school or my family, just in general, or the culture at large to just like, to be vulnerable, wasn't something really that I saw in my surroundings and music all of a sudden kind of became this door that cracked open of like, Ooh, like I can kind of process things with this. And that is so valuable that 
it's there to listen. It's there to create something and get something out of us. It works for all kinds of creativity, music, painting, creating conversation like this is I think a form of creating. It's kind of fun and we're like learning. And yeah, so I, I got into music and more deeply in high school and started writing songs and that led to joining a band and I started to learn how to sing for real, for real. But depending on how far you deep you want to go into it, maybe if there's any question you have so far. Yeah. So first of all, one of the things that I'm wondering just from a natural curiosity and also a music fan is, are there certain musicians, musical acts that really inspired you that you listened to quite a bit when you first got that guitar and were saying, oh, this is cool. I can process my emotions here. I want to get a little more dive deeper into this. Right. Some of my early influences were Jason Mraz, Coldplay, Ed Sheeran, The Beatles, Stevie Wonder. It really took it to a next level where that same year when I came back to school, it would have been my junior year of high school, I joined choir. Oh, wow. I thought I would mix it up because, you know, I'll go for it. I'll join choir. It's like my last elective or something. And it was between that and something else random. I'm like, yeah, I'll try it out. So I kind of like slid into this choir class. And one of the first weeks into school, the class wanted to go see this artist called Ed Sheeran play in South Carolina or North Carolina. And this would have been in like 2011 or 2012. When he was first coming up. Yeah. He had probably just released his first single and was starting to tour the States for the first time. I didn't know who he was. One person in the class knew his single, the A team and was like, we got to go guys. And we're like field trip, but we don't even know who we're going to see, Like field trip, let's go. And so we go to this thing on like a school night. We drive there with our choir teacher and I'm like falling asleep in the car. There's literally pictures of me falling asleep. Cause at the time I, I was just like going along for the field trip, not interested in music, didn't know the music, didn't know who we were going to see. And <laughs> we see this show passenger who has the song, let her go. He was the opener for Ed Sheeran. Definitely nobody knew him at the time. And then Ed Sheeran played and I don't have any recollection of any of the songs that were played because I didn't know any of them, but I just remember leaving that concert and that experience going back to school the next day and just feeling like I was in a daydream of like, I have to go to baseball practice. I have to go to math class. I have to go to science class. Like, what am I doing? Something just shifted in me. Like what the heck just happened? I want to do something like that. And uh, that was a huge turning point. So it suddenly became like, this is what I want to be spending my mental energy on. One weird question I need to ask, given that you also played baseball and you have this experience, having gone to a 2011 Ed Sharon show, is that like the musical equivalent of owning a rookie baseball card? <laughs> I feel so. I mean, if it was NFT, I'd be worth millions. <laughs> you got that ticket stub right there. <laughs> Yeah. I wish I kept it. I probably just threw it right away, but really, really changed my life for sure. And that would have been my junior year of high school. And then I started playing with people around town, but have been after that junior year at the end of the year, I started playing gigs in the summertime. And that was my summer job beforehand. My summer job was working at a smoothie shop and just random jobs in the summertime for a high schooler. And that junior year summer, I started playing like three or four nights a week and getting paid 50, hundred bucks a gig. And I was like, maybe even a little more than 150. And I was like, holy crap, that's, you know, this is a summer job. And how fun is this? Let's go. And you said that you writing music, performing music helps you process your emotions. Do you ever process your emotions 
while listening to other people's music? And do you believe that other people could be processing their emotions while at your shows listening to your music? Totally. I think it goes both ways for sure. Yeah. Music's such an interesting space that I can't quite put my finger on, but there's something really like spiritual and deep about really listening to music. Like if you've ever closed your eyes and put on headphones and maybe even like a blanket and lie down and listen to music, that is a super cathartic experience because you might start even like seeing things or getting ideas. It becomes almost like a meditation in and of itself. One thing that I have an intention with, with my music is to share empowering music with a conscious message, almost like conscious pop songs in a Mm, way. Interesting. Not super pop. I mean, pop is such a vague word these days. The songs come from my life. I try not to give too much specifics because like just the other day I, I wrote a new song and I showed it to someone and the song I wrote was inspired by my car that I just sold and I got a four-wheel drive Subaru now. Woo-hoo. Oh, so you're a true Colorado now. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. But yeah, I wrote this song about like my car, which I could like play the whole thing. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I wasn't planning to play this, but this is a new one, maybe on the next album. Deliver me to my destination. Deliver me safely back home. I don't mind where we decide to celebrate the memory. If you just deliver me safely back home Where the winds blow I went miles for smiles alone My fingertips know Yeah, so new one I'm working on. Nice. Um, and it seems like that's like a, a pure emotion. And I think about some other people, some, uh, you know, people like Mike Posner is the first one that comes to mind when I think of someone that combines pop music with like an actual interpersonal, introspective, deep message behind the songs. And it's kind of interesting because I think in the past, a lot of people have considered those things to be a little bit mutually exclusive in that if you want to be a deep artist, you need to pick a different genre. Yeah, that is crazy. You brought that up. Mike Posner was a huge influence for me throughout the pandemic. I kind of got more into his journey and his work because if you know him, you probably saw he walked across America, did some big hikes, Mount Everest. Yeah. Like through the pandemic, one thing that it taught me was I was really closely tied to the, to the label of being a musician or a songwriter and it actually prohibited me from doing podcasts and cause I didn't see other people doing things outside of this musician label. I thought you play shows, you write songs and that's it. And that was really limiting. And it was tearing at me, especially being inside where I 
couldn't play shows and was like, what am I doing? And so I felt called to want to create different ways, like make vlogs, make podcasts, do things that might not be what I see other musicians doing, but somebody like Mike Posner was very much, and still is kind of going against that mainstream grain of I'll take a year off and walk across America. And that'll actually be not only what's best for my music, ironically, or like my exposure, for my career, but for my soul and for what I need to do for myself. And that's just like magnetic. Yeah. I so wish more people had the mindset and the freedom to do that because I see so many stories that people don't. One other thing I want to cover before we finish up is how you managed to set up your life where you can make your living off of musical performances and music writing. Because I think a lot of people, especially when you think about the world of people in Silicon Valley that can't even afford to live there on $150,000 a year tech salaries, there's got to be a way that you make that work. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, about 80% of my income all comes from these lead generating websites that have been such a blessing to get my foot in the door. And then from there, it's been like word of mouth, but most of my income that I've been able to do what I'm doing right now is through playing live shows from bars, private events, birthday parties, telegrams, weddings, corporate events, whatever pops up and comes through. And I also have to mention, cause it's just close to my heart and this is actually a good learning lesson. So I said my dad was a teacher and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And recently she's gotten into real estate and is now doing super, super well. So in the last year or two, there have been pinches like me, like moving out here and stuff where they've actually sent me a few hundred bucks here and there to help supplement some of these gaps where I'm just continually investing in what I'm doing. And although I'm mostly above float. Like there have been a couple pinches where like I was really crying in bed, just thinking like, how am I going to pay rent? Da, 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 da. And my girlfriend told my parents, John's really struggling. He's working every day to make this happen. And da, da, da. and then I find out like 500 bucks hits my bank account or something. And it's like, holy crap. Like that is just, so there's like moments of that of grace and privilege and opportunity where like, if that wasn't my mom who has a little bit of extra on her paycheck right now could help supplement me in little ways. Um, I just say that to be like fully transparent. Cause I think a lot of people might get help here and there, but predominantly I'd say about 80% for sure of my income. And there's like little passive things and knickknack things I do like Spotify streams add up every once in a while. Like this band I was in beforehand, we've just, received three or $400 of extra royalties just from years ago, stuff we put out years ago. So like all those little seeds we plant really do come back around. And I feel like at the stage of my business being my own solo career, I'm in the stage of just investing, 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 like getting better gear, making sure everything's working because this is a thing that's really interesting. Like I'm definitely not a financial person or like expert by any means, but as far as like my mindset around it, having the right tools now to create like a camera, a microphone, a laptop that works speakers so I can hear my music and keep creating it. If I can get that on a credit card right now today, and I can further my career today that I bet on myself in the long term, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So why wait if I know that's going to happen? So why not have it now and just 
not be slowed down by it. Cause in five years, like I'm 26 now, now is the time to take the chances, take the risk, go for it and, and have it now versus like, if I actually waited to save up to buy this $600 microphone, which I actually did buy this in for a while ago, but just like other little things like that. If I wait, then years could pass before I could get things that I need to do what I need to do now. And the hesitation there almost comes down to like a belief of, do I not believe in myself? Of course I believe in myself. And there are times that I don't, but like in moments of certainty, yeah, I believe in my dream. Yeah. This is what I'm going to be doing. So why not, you know, commit to it in a way where make it real, like get the camera you want, make sure your laptop works kind of thing. So if you truly believe in yourself, then you will think longer term plant those seeds and be willing to invest that money. Even if it means being a little bit worried about how you're going to be able to afford it, having to forego some other random luxuries that a lot of people need to do. And I think this applies to the musical experience as well as to the general entrepreneurial experience. If someone has a business idea or someone has another idea for the thing that they really want to bring into the world that you'll put in that money, knowing that eventually it'll come back to you because you believe in yourself. Right. Yeah. In the short term right now, it's very month to month right now, especially with this move to Colorado, but looking ahead to this spring, I feel super confident. And there's so many beautiful opportunities that are popping up now. Like as we transition into spring, I don't worry as much about money anymore. I used to a lot. And now I feel like I've gotten over this hump where like, it's okay. Like you're going to make it. It's all good. Like what's the worst that could happen? You go into a little bit of debt, a few thousand dollars here. That's the worst case. But like in three years, it wouldn't matter. Cause one of my dreams is kind of random. It's like to have a Tesla one day. It seems consistent with what you were saying before about kind of these little more minor things that we spend so much time worrying about and so much time stressed about. And then when you're talking about the mediums and, and channeling the people who have passed saying, okay, what are the things that really matter? And you think about it, it's like, how did I spend my time? What impact did I have on people? And how were my relationships with other human beings seems to be, and I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch of really important things, but everyone's always worried like, oh my God, did you cross the street and you weren't in the crosswalk and all these, <laughs> all these just random little things. And you just want to when you reach that point and it seems like you just got to, you just want to say, I don't want to spend another second thinking about this. An example I always use is you tried a new restaurant and it was bad. And then you just move on. You just don't go back. And it was just one bad right. meal. Yeah. Move on. It happened. It's done. Get on with your life kind of thing. Yeah. That's so good, Stephen. I actually like think of that analogy from time to time, like literally the same thing where I feel like people forget that you have a choice of which restaurant you go to, which I don't eat out very much right now for yeah. the reasons mm -hmm. we kind of talked about. But like, if you were to go somewhere and eat out and you don't like it, you don't have to go back there, which some people think you have to go back there and keep yeah. not enjoying the meal. It's like, you can find there are other <laughs> meals. I promise there's great <laughs> meals out there. So many other meals and recipe books that you can make some great meals. It's disheartening though. I mean, you're like, dang, I didn't like what I paid for. It's like, well, then don't keep paying for it. <laughs> amazing. Well, it sounds like an, an amazing journey, an amazing experience. And one last thing I want to cover before we wrap up, now that anyone listening out there has gotten a chance to hear about your story, even hear a little bit of your, your latest track. If anyone wants to get hold of you to 
talk about music, talk about paths, talk about gigs? What would be the best way that someone could reach you? I would say my website is johnbrewstermusic.com is kind of the hub for everything, which links to my Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, the whole shebang. And all my music is on all the streaming platforms right now. You can also purchase it, which I feel like so many people are not using CDs and such anymore, but it's almost out of good karma. If you wanted to buy the album digitally, you certainly can. John, thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes for telling your story to everybody and inspiring people to not only believe in themselves, get off their phones a little bit, a huge thing as well, and enjoy the things that really make us human, the laughter, the dancing, the music, the things that society doesn't necessarily always value in a lot of places, but has a really important spiritual and humanistic value to it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. There's so much beautiful things to go into. I'm sure we could go for so long and uh, thank you for the time and for inspiring others and creating this space for people to maybe connect some few different dots and make some few different decisions, go for a walk and discover some new plan. It's beautiful. Definitely. And I'd also like to thank all those listeners out there for listening and for those continuing to listen. I hope that you're inspired by these stories we're telling of all these different people with different types of ideas, different practices, different struggles, but with a similar mindset challenge of getting into the place where to quote what we have here to believe in yourself, to believe in yourself enough to throw that extra couple thousand dollars in on your equipment or on podcast editing in my case or anything else <laughs> like that. It's worth it. If you believe in yourself, you know, you'll figure it out. Action antidote. <laughs> Thank you very much. And everybody Bye, have an excellent day. Thanks so much, Stephen. <laughs>